This afternoon, the scripture reading is James, the letter of James, chapter 1, verses 1 to 18. First 18 verses of the letter of James, the brother of the Lord Jesus, who became elder, main elder in Jerusalem. And we read there the word of God as follows James, a bondservant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad, greetings. My brethren, Count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Let the lowly brother glory in his exaltation, but the rich in his humiliation, because as a flower of the field he will pass away. For no sooner has the sun risen with a burning heat then it withers the grass, its flower falls, and its beautiful appearance perishes. So the rich man also will fade away in his pursuits. Blessed is the man who endures temptation, for when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted, I'm tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted by evil. Nor does he himself tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then, when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. Of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. So far, the word of God. This afternoon, I proclaim to you the word of God as we confess that in Lord's Day 52. Lord's Day 52 of the Heidelberg Catechism. And there, the church has summarized the word of God as follows. What is the sixth petition? And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. That is, in ourselves, we are so weak that we cannot stand even for a moment. Moreover, our sworn enemies, the devil, the world, and our own flesh, do not cease to attack us. Will you therefore uphold and strengthen us by the power of your Holy Spirit, so that in this spiritual war we may not go down to defeat, but always firmly resist our enemies until we finally obtain 
the complete victory. How do you conclude your prayer? For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. That is, all this we ask of you because as our king, having power over all things, you are both willing and able to give us all that is good. And because not we, but your holy name should so receive all glory forever. What does the word amen mean? Amen means it is true and certain. For God has much more certainly heard my prayer than I feel in my heart that I desire this of him. So far, our confession. Beloved people of God, brothers and sisters, boys and girls, Sister Alyssa Gunning, about to profess your faith in this service. Lord's Day 52, the last Lord's Day of the Heidelberg Catechism. And I was always thinking about this sermon. I thought, how, how appropriate. Alyssa, you, you completed the catechetical instruction here about to profess your faith in what we confess as church. And in the afternoon preaching, the congregation has come to the last Lord's Day of the Catechism. Kind of, kind of an appropriate combination with a profession of faith, I'd say, coming to the end of the Catechism. Also, the contents of Lord's Day 52 are appropriate for a profession of faith. The last petition of the Lord's Prayer, in which our Spirit in which our Savior taught us to pray that God the Father, by the power of His Holy Spirit, always uphold and strengthen us so that we can always firmly resist our enemies and until we finally obtain the complete victory. Because you know that profession of faith is not the end of a battle, to know your catechism and all that. It's not the end, but it's the beginning of a battle, the beginning of your battle, Alyssa, to take up the fight personally, to fight against those sworn enemies of ours, the, the devil, the world, and our own sinful nature. And way back when the Christian church was still young, people who professed their faith were greeted with the words, grata ad bellum, which means welcome to the battle. In other words, Alyssa, today, to you begin the battle as a Christian soldier on your own. This is the beginning of the battle. And it is a battle. We heard something of that this morning, too. Because in this life, we always remain weak and sinful people, whether you're 17 or whether you're 70. As Christians, we're called to and we need to fight that's because our enemies are sworn enemies. Sworn enemies means they're enemies who are not going to give up. And they're after our life. After our souls. But the wonderful thing is, if and when we take part in that battle as Christians, we have this mighty ally who upholds us and strengthens us in this battle, our Father in heaven, to whom we direct this prayer. And another wonderful thing is that for Christians who hold fast to the faith they profess, this is not, this is not a losing battle. As long as they hold fast to that faith that they profess, this is not a losing battle. 
It's one in which the victory is certain and sure. Wonderfully sure. And that's because the Savior Jesus Christ has already, in principle, defeated those enemies. They say in terms of World War II uh, terminology, D-Day has been, and we're looking forward to V-Day. And so we can fight knowing that the victory is coming. Alyssa, you too, you can fight this battle because the victory is yours in Christ. And that's why the Lord Jesus taught us in the Lord's Prayer to always pray this last petition and to end with that doxology of trust. And I proclaim to you the last Lord's Day of the Catechism with this theme then. Christ teaches his still weak people to pray for and to trust in God's help. Because, first of all, because we're still in danger here. Always in danger here. Secondly, because our God is so mighty, such a mighty helper. And thirdly, because our God truly wants to give us that final victory. First of all, then, Christ teaches us the sixth petition because we're always still in danger. Congregation, earlier on, we read the first part of the first chapter of, of the letter of James. And it says there in verse 13, it says, Let no one say when he has tempted, I'm tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. Now, if God doesn't tempt anyone, why would we ask him, lead us not into temptation? Why would the Lord Jesus teach us that? Well, to understand that, we have to take into account the context of what James is saying here. James speaks a number of times about trials and temptations in this section of chapter 1 of his letter. And the interesting thing is that each time he actually uses the same Greek word, the same original word in the Greek. Verse 2, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Now, that same Greek word is used there. And later on, verse 12, we mentioned, uh, blessed is the man who endures temptation for he has been approved. Same word there. But now it's temptation. And later on, 2, verse 13. Let no one say when he is tempted, I'm tempted by God. The same word in the Greek. Trial and temptation. And the meaning depends on the context. Because the Greek word can have two shades of meaning. And the exact meaning depends on the context. So it can, it can mean tests or trials. God brings tests or trials into our lives in order to refine us, to make us stronger in our faith, help us to produce fruits of faith. Think of how it says at the beginning of Genesis 22 that God tested Abraham when he told him to go and offer Isaac as a burnt offering in the land of Moriah. That, that's the meaning James gives at the word at the beginning of James 1. You can count it all joy when God gives you trials to deal with. And you can count it all joy because then God is actually working to help you grow in your faith and in your patience, your dependence on Him. And we need that testing, right? Otherwise, how 
would we grow in faith and in steadfastness unless God tries us and tests us all the time? Same as a student in school. How do you end up passing in the end unless you get tests on the way to grow too? And you study for those. You grow through them. But that same word can also mean temptation in the sense that Satan uses our sinful desires to tempt us to fall into sin. Think of how the Apostle Paul wrote to Timothy, 1 Timothy 6, about those who desire to be rich and to fall into temptation and a snare because of that. Fall into temptation and a snare. And he uses this same word as, as James does here in his chapter. And that means temptation there. It's not wrong to be rich. Think of Abraham again. He was one of the wealthiest men in his time. But Satan and our sinful desires can use those riches to tempt us to become greedy or godless. That we depend on those riches. Like the rich man in Jesus' parable of Lazarus and the rich man. The rich man feasted and then he ignored Lazarus begging at his gate. So James writes that no one who is tempted should say that he is tempted by God. And he uses that same word there in the context of trying to make someone sin. God doesn't try to make anyone sin, push you into sin. No, brothers and sisters, God, who is almighty, can allow situations in our lives by means of which he wants to test us to grow in faith. But the devil wants to use those same situations to tempt us to fall into sin. See, so while God leads us into situations which can become opportunities for his spirit to make us more steadfast in our faith, the devil uses our sinful desires at that time to make those situations into temptations to try to make us fall into sin. Think of Job, how he was severely tested by God. And God allowed Satan to bring trouble on Job. God was testing Job, but in the meantime, Satan tried his best to use those troubles to tempt Job. Think of how Job also suffered when those three miserable friends of his came and tried to comfort him, so-called comfort. They, they figured he must have done something terrible to deserve what he, had, what he was experiencing. That's what they accused him of. And how, think of how Job struggled all the way through the book of Job not to deny God in his righteousness. All Job's words throughout the book of Job are actually something like the sixth petition. Lord, don't allow this test to become a temptation for me. And his prayer was heard because Job did not deny the Lord, his God. By the end of the book of Job, in fact, Job has stood, withstood the test by God's grace. And he's stronger in his faith than he was at the beginning. So what is Jesus actually teaching us to ask for in the sixth petition? He's not teaching you to ask your Father in heaven to keep you from various trials by means of which you can mature 
and grow in your faith. No, count it as positive, joy even. When God gives you trials of various kinds to grow your trust in Him. Little trials, big trials, to grow your trust in Him. What the Lord Jesus does teach in the last petition is that whenever you're, you fall into those trials, that they don't become temptations for you. That you're not led into temptation by those tests of your Father in heaven. Because the devil will certainly be right there when you're tested to tempt you, to cause you to question God's goodness and justice. How can God let this happen to me? To appeal, he will appeal to your sinful desires so you want to rebel against God and ignore his word. And you realize then that when we give in to temptation and sin, we cannot blame God. Can't say, well, God, you, you brought this on me. What do you expect? We can't excuse ourselves by saying to him, you led me into this temptation. I couldn't help it. And we can't say that the devil made us do it either. Why can't we excuse ourselves? Because in the first place, our sinful desires are not God's fault. We brought sin into the world ourselves in the beginning. We did. And in the second place, the tests become a temptation for us, not because God made it so hard for us, but because we make it so hard for ourselves. Like James writes, verses 14 and 15, but each one is tempted in those trials when he is drawn away by his own desires. Then, when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and when sin is full grown, it brings forth death. It's a whole process of bringing forth life and ending in death. In other words, sin is always, always, always our own fault. We cannot blame other people or our circumstances or God himself or even the devil. It's our own fault. Of ourselves, we're so weak that we cannot stand for a moment. We confess question and answer 127. So we have to admit that we constantly need help. We constantly need help so that we can grow stronger through all these trials instead of falling into temptation, letting ourselves fall away. And that's what Christ teaches us to pray for day by day, our whole life long. Because in this life, we remain sinful by nature and weak till the end, and trials do come. Little trials every day, sometimes large trials. The wonderful thing is, we all have the promise of God that He will stand by us as His children in every circumstance. He has promised us the strength of the Holy Spirit to make us stronger through the testing and to the, through the, the trying of our faith. He promised that because of Jesus Christ, who always withstood Satan. We read something of that this morning. And who gave himself for us on the cross as the perfect offering for our sins. We, have to keep, we need to keep asking for the strength of his spirit. We have to keep asking daily 
just as Jesus taught us to ask for our daily bread. Every day again, God tests us, otherwise we'd never continue to grow in our faith. Every day, we need to make choices. How, how am I going to react to this? With anger or with love or with patience? What should I say and do in response to that criticism? Do I do this or that? Should I go there or should I avoid that place? Should I watch this or should I turn it off? We, we need to pray every day, congregation. Oh God, try me, but don't lead me into temptation. Don't let me fall and let your trials become temptations for me. And the wonderful thing is, brothers and sisters, after our fall into sin in the beginning, God promises and still promises to give still weak people, people of themselves inclined to all sin and too weak to stand on their own, He promises to give them the strength of His Spirit to stand and to fight against the temptations which lead to sin and bring forth death, as it says in James 1. And that's because our Savior overcame every temptation and He offered Himself for us and obtained for us the life-giving Spirit. That's right out of the form for the celebration of the Lord's Supper. He obtained for us the life-giving Spirit. And that brings us to the second part of the sermon, namely Christ teaches us to pray the sixth petition because our God is so mighty. Congregation, the devil and his allies are pretty powerful. Mighty powerful. It's because of him that sin is such a great power in this world. If you look in this world, you think he has everything in his power. And we're so weak in ourselves. And we're helpless. Helpless pray to the pull of Satan and the world and our own sinful nature, which is the world in us, by the way. But, you know, if we humbly and honestly acknowledge our own total helplessness and then seek the help of our Father in heaven, our Father in Christ, then His Spirit will strengthen us, make us able to resist our sworn enemies. They are so strong, and I'm so weak, but our God in Christ is almighty and more powerful than those enemies, even the one that lives in me, myself. And to remind us of that, Jesus taught us to say right after the last petition too, for yours, yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. And that means... I never have to feel helpless here and low in the face of my trials because I'm so weak in myself. Oh, I'd have, to, I'd have reason to feel hopeless if I had to resist the devil and the sin around me and the, especially the sin in my own heart if I'd have to resist that on my own. I, I would fail for sure. But if I looked for my life and my help, to my Father in Christ. He is mighty. And I can stand. I can stand. Maybe we, it's a process of falling and standing for a while. But eventually I can stand. I can stand in all my trials. Even when my own sinful heart. Just draws me. Wants to draw me to sin. In fact. He has the power to make me stronger and more faithful by means of the trials he sends me in my life. 
Every time you choose for Christ and against sin in your life, you see the power of the Holy Spirit at work in your own life. Lord, it's your power that I could resist that sin. That I didn't look at that website. That I didn't open that book. That I didn't look at that program. It's, it's his strength in you. And then you see and you feel how good it is to do God's will. To live according to his word, to the Bible. And then you, you, you notice that. And then the sin you struggle with has less and less hold on your, has less and less attraction for you. Brothers and sisters, boys and girls, our Father in Christ truly has a lot more power than the devil and the world and our own sinful nature, those enemies. Even death. Even death. The whole Bible shows that so clearly. Let me give you a few examples from the New Testament. From the Gospel. You know how the Lord Jesus Christ was sent into the wilderness by God to be tested by the Spirit. And Satan came and tempted him. He wanted to prevent the Lord Jesus from going to the cross as the perfect sacrifice for our sins. He wanted to make him take a detour and then, then give it all up. He would give him all the kingdoms of the world if he would just bow the knee once to worship him, Satan. And congregation, then he would give him all the, Britain, all the kingdoms of the world if he would just give up doing God's will, honoring God once. But congregation, he did not. He said, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. It says in Matthew 4, and Satan had to leave him. And angels came and ministered to him. He was sent away with his tail between his legs, so to speak, with the word of God. Know that word. Another example of God's power shown by the Lord Jesus. Jesus hung on the cross in Calvary. And it became totally dark. Three hours of darkness. Jesus was enveloped by hell. That was his descent into hell. And the devil focused all his wicked, terrible power on Jesus at that time to try to get him to call on angels to help him and come down from the cross. Try to get him to give up doing God's will to the very end. Send legions of angels to save me from this. But at the end of those three hours of darkness, Jesus still cried out to his father from the cross. And then shortly afterwards, he cried out in victory, it is finished. He had conquered the powers of hell for all those whom the Father had given him. One more example. The Lord Jesus died and was buried. And if you think about death, it all seems so final, hey? The, the coffin is lowered in the grave. It certainly looked as if the devil and death had won a total victory on Good Friday with the Lord Jesus. Even the disciples thought that. But then on the third day, Jesus rose from the dead. The devil could do what he wanted, but he couldn't hold back Jesus' resurrection from the dead. As Peter said later on, too, when he was proclaiming the gospel in the book of Acts, death could no longer hold him. Jesus rose as the conqueror of the devil and death and sin. Alyssa, you're going to profess your faith this afternoon. You're going to profess that you truly and sincerely believe these events took place as recorded in the Bible, right? 
This is something we all hold as believers, as a congregation, right? Well then, as weak believers who believe in this God and Savior, we, we don't have to despair when we have to deal with trials, even really difficult tests of faith. We can turn to our God and Father in Christ and He is almighty. Maybe there are many tests which the devil in our sinful nature turned into temptations for us and maybe we fell into sin so much and so often that we don't think it can ever be right with us again. Why would God even bother with us? But then God says, come here. Bring that big load of sins to, to, to me in Christ. Bring them to Christ and stop hunting and rooting around in yourself for the strength to fight the devil, the world, and your sinful nature because you're going to lose. Look to me. Seek the power to change and to fight the devil and his dominion in me. I have the might. My spirit has the power to bring you to love me and Jesus Christ more than your own desires, more than your own life. And I want to give you that power. I want to use that power for your benefit. I want nothing more than to stand by you in that battle against the devil, the world, and your own sinful nature. And congregation, if you pray like that, that's a, that's a prayer God loves to hear. He loves to hear that prayer because of his son, Jesus Christ. And that brings us to the third and the last part of the sermon. Christ also teaches us that our Father in heaven really wants to give us the final victory. Imagine that you, you needed some money really badly. And you know someone who had lots of money. So you go to that friend and you ask for help. But that person turns you down flat. Even though he has all of that money. And then you realize it doesn't help to know that person. That that person is so wealthy and is able to help you out of your trouble. If he refuses to help you anyway. Well, your almighty God and Father in Christ is not like that at all. He loves his children with such incredible and perfect love that he gave his one and only son for them. He wants to help you. Wants to. Do you think that he would leave those whom his son bought and paid for, would leave them on their own and refuse to let his spirit help you? Would he leave you to be tempted when you ask for his help? Lead me not into temptation in this trial. Let not the devil make this a temptation for me. Oh, at times we may despair of God's help, but listen to what the apostle writes in 1 Corinthians 10 verse 13. No temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able to bear, but with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. That you can stand throughout that trial. What a, what a glorious promise in Scripture, congregation. There's nothing our Father in Heaven loves to do more than to hear and to answer the cries of His weak children in Christ for help with the struggles of life when they have a 
hard time to keep trials from becoming temptations. That's why Christ also added that doxology at the end of the Lord's Prayer. We confess that the doxology in 128, question and answer 128 means all this we ask of you because as our King having power over all things, you are both willing and able to give us all that is good. He wants to give you what is good for you because of Christ our Father in heaven wants to help us in our trials to fight off the sin that has such a draw and to let us grow in faith through our trials, willing and ready because of everything His Son did for us. In fact, because of Christ, our Father in heaven cannot refuse us. Think about that. Because of Christ, He cannot refuse those who come to Him and ask for His help. He cannot refuse us when we plead for the way of escape from, our, from temptations in His name. And that's also then why the Lord Jesus taught us to close our prayer with that wonderful little word, Amen. If you pray all the petitions of the Lord's Prayer with a heart that seeks your life with your Father in Christ, then you can know my Father in Heaven. He truly hears me. He hears me. He'll certainly help me with, in this situation. I don't know how. I don't know exactly how, but He hears me because I belong to His Son, Jesus Christ. Oh, it can be that you don't really feel that at the moment you pray. Maybe you're dealing with trials and going through quite a battle with those powerful enemies in your life who want to tempt you to fall back into the sin you don't want to fall into again. But, again, if you call on your God and Father in Christ, He will hear and wants to draw you to Himself through that battle. He's there in your trial, so you end up with Christ and not with the devil and under his power. And you realize then that if you don't live close to Christ and to following his will, then you can only blame yourself. You can't blame the Lord. He wants nothing more for you as his child in Christ than that you win that war and obtain the complete victory. He would love to give you that complete victory Christ has obtained for you already. The victory which was prayed for you at your baptism also, Alyssa, at your baptism too, listen again to that prayer offered up after your baptism. May he or she, may she live in all righteousness under our only teacher, king and high priest, Jesus Christ, and valiantly fight against and overcome sin, the devil and his whole dominion. And may she forever praise and magnify you and your son, Jesus Christ, together with the Holy Spirit, the one only true God. That was prayed for you at the beginning. Prayed for you too, Alyssa. So continue prayerfully in faith, in the faith you profess for God's help and strength your whole life long. Continue prayerfully in that faith and you will certainly obtain that complete victory in Christ with all his people. More, you, you will certainly obtain that complete victory more certainly than you can imagine it in your own mind. Victory in which there is only perfect peace and joy with the triune God and with all his people forever. Amen. Congregation, let's sing in response to the 
proclamation. Psalm 68, we sang that this morning too. This is kind of a continuation of the morning. Um, Psalm 68, stanzas 8 and 9. Wonderful song of victory, congregation. We turn now to the form for the public profession of faith, as you find that in the Book of Praise, page 602. there we read the following. Beloved in our Lord Jesus Christ, we thank the Lord our God for the grace given us by adopting us to be his children and receiving us into his covenant. We acknowledge his love and power by which he instills in his children the desire publicly to profess their faith in him in the presence of his holy church so that they may receive admission to the Holy Supper. Alyssa, would you come forward? 
Alyssa, since you have now come here to make this profession before God and His Holy Church and hereby to receive admission to the Holy Supper, we ask you to answer sincerely the following questions. First, do you wholeheartedly believe the doctrine of the Word of God summarized in the confessions and taught here in this Christian church? Do you promise by the grace of God steadfastly to continue in this doctrine in life and death rejecting all heresies and errors conflicting with God's word? Second, do you acknowledge God's covenant promises which have been signified and sealed to you at your baptism? And do you truly detest and humble yourself before God because of your sins and seek your life outside of yourself in Jesus Christ? And third, do you declare that you love the Lord God and that it is your heartfelt desire to serve him according to his word, to forsake the world, and to crucify your old nature? And fourth, do you firmly resolve to commit your whole life to the Lord's service as a living member of his church? Do you promise to submit willingly to the admonition and discipline of the church, if it should happen, and may God graciously prevent it, that you become delinquent either in doctrine or in conduct. Alyssa Gunnick, what is your answer? I do. After you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. I'll ask Brother... Elder Matt Hutton to present, make a presentation to Alyssa. Hi, Alyssa. Welcome to the battle. Um, we thank and praise God for working in your life uh, through his spirit, the desire to profess your faith. And on behalf of council and the whole church and all the people here gathered in support and in love for you here today, it's an honor for me to present this gift of God's word to you today. The text Alyssa has chosen for her Bible is a beautiful text, Psalm 27, verse 4, which I will now read. One thing I have desired of the Lord, that will I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. May that be our desire with you, Alyssa, to focus together on the beauty of our Savior, who has already won the victory of the battle, the one who will never fail us. May God bless you and keep you in your journey of thankful service to him. Congratulations. Congratulations. 